now on this week's episode of Miami Miked Up. You know him for his play-by-play work for Sports USA Live. You know him as the Marlins PA announcer. You know him as a host on WQAM, a noted USF bull. And once upon a time, um, a famed co-ace of a nine-year-old Western Area Little League Pittsburgh Pirates team. It's Josh Appel. Josh, a long overdue first appearance here on Miami Mike Up. It's good to have you, man. I think I've been joking with you since the inception of this podcast mm-hmm. when I was going to get the call. And I finally got the call. And it's the thrill of a lifetime. I thought you'd never <laughs> ask. No, nah, it's cool to be here. It's a, it's a cool full circle moment. We had one of these last year when we did a, a segment for Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But to you know have one of these more long-form conversations, it feels very long overdue and uh, pretty pretty cool full circle moment, for, I think, for the both of us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and if I haven't made it abundantly clear, Josh and I have known each other since we are seven eight nine years old somewhere around Something there like that. Yeah. um have known each other since elementary school and uh it's been very cool to watch each other's careers and now get to spend some time together at the ballpark you know every once in a while uh it, it's wonderful and now to get to do this is is great so uh let's dive into it before we get into anything having to do with sports or your career or anything like that i gotta ask you what's something recently outside of work that has recently brought you joy Outside of work that has recently brought me joy. Uh, my dog, Wade, is sitting here uh, right now. Wade, come here. Come here. Oh, this come is here. a good visual. I need to make come sure here. this video gets out. Come here. Wade, oh the uh, golden gosh. retriever, always makes me happy. Uh, Mara and I got married in March. Uh, we just uh, went under contract for a house, so I guess that also qualifies Man, for life. Uh, life's for good well. for Josh Appel. How about yeah, that? you know, it doesn't suck. It definitely does not suck. I'll tell you that much. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm assuming Wade is named after Dwayne Wade. Dwayne uh, Wade is named after Dwayne Wade, but I can't take full credit for that. Mara, actually, my wife gets all the credit because uh, Wade, Mara had Wade before we were together. Oh, wow. They, yeah. So Wade, Wade was before me. That's and, amazing. Uh, so, so Mara gets the full credit. And for so that's naming how you him. knew. Yep. It's honestly, it's one, it's one of the things <laughs> very early on. It was definitely a, it was definitely a point for her. <laughs> I like that. That's hilarious. Uh, all right. So I, I want to talk to you a bit about, about you before, uh, diving into any of our analysis here, of these teams locally. Um, you're a guy who wears a lot of hats in this business. I already mentioned it play by play. I literally, I literally wear a lot of hats because I'm that's, old. that's also true. I, I was, tr- I wasn't, <laughs> I set you up for it. I wasn't going to be the one who hammered it home, but I gave you the setup. You spiked it. Um, so that being said, as a guy who wears a lot of hats doing play by play PA radio hosting, um, when did you, or how did you realize that you wanted to sort of have a piece of the pie in all these different parts of sports media. And, you know, what's the prep like for you to be able to succeed at all of it? Uh, I mean, with anything, you know, it's just kind of balancing your time and being able to, you know, compartmentalize and make sure you have enough time set aside uh, to do everything. Um, My first role with a microphone in high school as a freshman was doing PA at our basketball games. I remember. So it wasn't like, <laughs> no, it was good times. The Lightning Lunatics. Shout out yeah, to uh, Jason incredible. Lookie in Cypress Bay. Yep. Uh, that, it was, I had a lot of fun. You know, I was able to connect through social media with Mike Biamonte and Bill Murphy, who at the time was the Panthers uh, yeah. public address announcer. And so like, I was really interested in that early on. Um, but then I started to do more with our TV production in high school. Um, 
did more on-air stuff, uh, anchoring our sports. We had live events that I would do play-by-play for. And that's when I really fell in love with it and really wanted to make a point. So wherever I went to college, go to a place that I could get experience, not necessarily in a classroom, but like actually calling games right. and doing it that way. Because for this, that was the best way to learn and get better. Um, so after all that, you know, going to USF, as you established, a far superior university uh, to the University of Central Florida. Far superior. Uh, we're preeminent we're preeminent i mean that's the argument we're i don't even need to respond to it it's it's big 12 and I, won't 12. I won't respond big to it. 12 schmig 12 okay uh no and so to think back to where i first started you know with a microphone to now be doing that for the baseball organization the baseball team that i grew up rooting for uh you want to talk about full circle moments like that's yep. as full circle as it gets so uh very fortunate to be able to have this role with the Marlins now somehow finishing up year three with a month left. That just feels impossible. Well, so let's talk about that. This Marlins gig. I know, you know, you, wow, gosh, three years ago now took over this position. That's crazy to think about. So how has that evolved in the time that you've been there? And, you know, how, how did you end up with the Miami Marlins and, and how much, you know, are you enjoying getting to be around for, you know, just about every single home game of each regular season uh it's it's really cool i really love it um i feel like i'm part of something bigger than just you know our little room up uh near the press box yeah uh built so many different relationships with so many different people uh over the course of the last three seasons and look forward to uh doing more of that Uh, i just think that i've gotten more confident um yeah not necessarily uh improvising but there are a lot more there's a lot more room for it now than there was when i first started i'm a lot more comfortable i've settled into how i I like my cadence and how i like to say things and how i want it to sound um and actually it's helped um benefit because when i you know do play-by-play we always have ad reads and things like that so i basically do that every single night 81 times uh over the course of the six months before football season starts right back up again so it has its benefits for that too um but i really love it i i was not Professional public address announcer was not something really on my radar. Um, usually in the NFL off seasons, um, I would call soccer, you know, once or twice a month, USL, MLS, next pro things like mm-hmm. that. NWSL and, you know, projects here and there come up over the course of an off season. But I got a call from or a text. I mentioned prior, you know, at Cypress Bay yeah. uh, being in TV production, um, our, teacher at the time, Kurt Noster, right, was uh, working with the Heat, working with the Marlins, working with the Dolphins, everybody. And he said, hey, like, they might need a new one. And Mike Biana, the former in-game host, right. also did the same and reached out. Um, and so I auditioned at, prior to that, interviewed. And the third person um, part of this process, it was Mike Biana on the interview, along with Stephen Boyer, who now uh, does the same job with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a great job there. We'll see him this week because the Rays are in town. Next week, I should say. Um, and Steven is a fellow USF Bull. So I feel like that of played course. in my favor. Uh, we, had a, 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 we, had a, we had a ton of mutual friends. And so it was a really um, fun conversation and fun process to be part of because everybody was so familiar with each other and it kind of relaxed everybody. And I, I think there's a really funny story, in my opinion, about the audition yeah Um, there was probably like five or six of us there and i had figured that you know i'm old guy doesn't speak a lick of spanish 
anything. Like they want somebody <laughs> who's bilingual. Sure. You know? right, like, of course. I just, that would make sense. Uh huh. And so I go on the audition and I hear everybody go and, and it's like, it's look, it's a fun job, but like, it's not rocket science. Like right, a lot right. of people sound good doing this and can uh-huh. sound good doing it. So I figured like all things equal, they would go with somebody who is bilingual. Mm-hmm. Obviously that wasn't the <laughs> That's case. That's not what happened. No. And my Spanish has gotten tremendously better over the course of three years. And by tremendously uh-huh. better, I mean, I can read it much better. Than hey, I did when that, I first that's started. all that matters in yeah. the job. That's all you need technically to do your job. That's what I would say. And I appreciate the level of, of dedication to the improvement that, that's there. Listen, uh, they deserve my full effort. So yes. I, I try I try and give it to them. And sometimes there's like a word here and there that I'll butcher. And people on our crew will uh, give me a hard time about it. Deservedly so. And it's right. fun. We have, we, have, we have a good time up there. But, uh, you know, after the audition process, mm-hmm. um, got brought on. Opening day happened. I wore my suit and tie. The first one, we were still zip tying off seats in the 2021 season. Yeah. And the team was way different than it is now, obviously. Um, But opening day 21, uh, that whole process from the beginning of March of 21 until that like month that transpired in like early April, that's how quick it happened. Mm. Um, I was in Los Angeles to call stanford usc basketball wow now, this is a, this is such a this is such a like look at me louis yeah moment. look at but me louis i was working for fs1 and that yeah, night okay only, all right the, all right the, the only time i've been on fs1 was that night rob Stone i actually can i tell you i remember i watched but, it i remember that was a blot it was it terrible was... thank god thank goodness for doug gottlieb because doug could talk about anything for however <laughs> long and it was so easy to work with him in a 40 point game in the second half right for two teams that like you prep and you're familiar with them but like you're not all that yeah, you don't know them. Right. 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 To be able to fill a 40 point deficit in the second mm-hmm. half. But Doug was awesome. Our crew was awesome. But I did the interview through Microsoft Teams while I was out in L.A. So wow. it was a very eventful trip. Came back. The audition was like a few days after I got back. And uh, here we are now. What a whirlwind. And to be with this team now this season in what's been such a rewarding season. Um, let's talk yeah. about this Marlins team now. Um, you know, we know that you can put on your uh, analyst hat as well as you wear multiple different hats within this industry. And you're someone I like I'd to, love to so. talk. I love to talk baseball with you. And this team is back home now for a five game homestand. As we have this conversation, it's Friday afternoon before Friday night's game this is coming out on Saturday, but five games at home with the Nats and the Rays upcoming and the Marlins. Look, let's be real about it. They need some wins. Um, they're yep. now two games back at that final wild card spot at the time of this retort, uh, recording, uh, losses in six of their last eight games. Um, you've watched this team at home <laughs> and certainly in general, as much as anyone, um, what really needs to change the most over these next five games for the Marlins to get going in the right direction? So it, it almost feels impossible that Jake Berger and Josh Bell both have OPSs over 900 right. in the 20 games they played with the Marlins. And yet the offense has seemingly struggled over the last, you know, stretch of games here. And that's, right. you know, it seemed like they were finally starting to turn the corner and then kind of had a hiccup there in LA and in San Diego at, uh, at the end of the series. Um, Luis Arise, as amazing as he's been this year, every player goes through slumps. But he's going through a slump right now. And yeah, it's a slump is. that like we haven't seen from them this season. Right. Uh, Jorge Soler has had a ton of big home runs, but he's in two, like 210, 220 something over the mm-hmm. last uh, two weeks. Brian De La Cruz, who had a phenomenal first half. And really, him and Jesus Sanchez 
there was a lot of uncertainty with the two of them coming into this year. Could they take on everyday roles? Mm-hmm. Avi Garcia gets hurt, and those two are your left and right fielders every single day. They've been tremendous. And they have been tremendous. But Brian De La Cruz also going through a slump. Yeah. There are just key guys in their offense all at the same time are going through it right now. And what was so key for this team in the first half when they were winning all these close games, big hits with runners in scoring position. Less than two outs, getting the runner in. With two outs, getting that base hit with runners in scoring position. And that was a huge benefit to them. And really, you know, you hate to kind of oversimplify things. That's really what it boils down to. Yep, They're getting guys on base for the most part, except for a game here and there. What they're not doing is getting that big hit. And unfortunately, on the other side of things, it seems like all the bounces that they were getting in the first half, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily getting here over this last 20, 30 game stretch. Um, and, and I think too, the perspective might change for people. And, and every time I go on QAM with Hawk and Crowder, we talk about this. I, I, I think the the perspective would change if the Marlins weren't 14 games over 500 right. at one point. And right. here they are, they're scrapping here to stay in the playoff race and they've been in it the whole year. I just think that the way they've gotten to this point is, is the cause of certain frustration, but that's only yeah. natural. I mean, I, I think this season has been so much fun for a, a variety of reasons. We're sitting here on August 25th, and we're talking about a playoff race. Yeah, like a real Marlins. playoff race. Yep. Right, which is something we have not been able to do in recent years outside mm-hmm. of 2020. So it, it's hard to actually, like, garner up any, like, real, real frustration. Right. It's just general frustrations you have over a course of a season. Luis Arise, as uh, we love him so much, yeah. would, it, it's, it, there's a reason nobody's hit 400 uh-huh. over the course of a season since Ted Williams did it. It, it just, yeah. there's a reason. It, like, Tony Gwynn didn't do it. Like, right. And that's the guy that everybody compares Luis Arise to, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, he's not going to struggle the rest of the year like this. He'll get going again. Solaire, who felt like a multi-hit game machine, doubles, right. homers, everything just hitting home runs right you know he's gonna come around again these guys have proven it all season long over a long sample i think they are just as good as any of these teams that's fighting for a playoff spot right now and it seems like the pitching staff the starters are starting to get going again after this road trip that was the most encouraging thing despite the fact that they went two and four that the starting pitching is back to what we thought it would be well this is the good news right is theoretically Jake Berger and Josh Bell will both come back down to earth in a sense individually. But as they do that and hopefully can remain close to the same players that we've seen them be during this first stretch here with the Marlins, as that's entirely possible with what they've been their entire careers. Right. If they can, in stabilizing, you can have Arias and Soler. And let's not forget Jazz Chisholm Jr., who has the no, ability he's been... to get extremely hot and, is, and has been right. pretty good at the plate um, in individual stretches throughout this season. If you can get some of these individual guys going again to where this team can collectively come through with that big hit, because what you mentioned is such a big part of this, is this is a team that's moved station to station all season long. They're single, 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 big hit to drive in a couple of runs. Yeah. And when you're struggling with runners in scoring position, that's how you're going to end up with a lot of games where you're legitimately shut out, not just, hey, we're scoring three or four runs in a game. It's because you're not a power hitting team. You have a couple of power hitters in your lineup, but you need to be able to come through. If all these guys get hot, you see that starting pitching stabilize the way that you talk about. And the biggest sort of, not elephant in the room, but the schedule's starting to stabilize a bit. 
this was the toughest stretch. And to be able to come out of the toughest stretch still hanging right around 500 is what you hope for in what could be a really fun September. The unfortunate thing is they're bringing in a Nationals team that is Red playing hot. fantastic baseball. It's crazy. Despite trading uh, Candelario, yep. uh, they mostly kept the same group of guys. C.J. Abrams is swinging a good bat. Uh, Cabot Ruiz has been really good. Joy, yep. Like This is a good offensive baseball team that's coming into Lone Depot Park this weekend. And the Marlins have had great success over the Nationals yep. over the last three seasons. It's like one of the only teams that they've been this good against. Um, they, they know. Skip Schumacher and this staff yeah. has – Look, I've seen a lot of people criticize certain things over the course of a game. Not every decision a manager makes is going to work out. It seemed like they got to 53 and 39 because, because they were every all single perfect. move he was making yeah. was all perfect. Yeah. So Skip and his staff have done such a tremendous job this year, and a lot of people have talked about it throughout the course of the season, holding players accountable, making sure they're transparent with what they want out of these guys every single day. Yep. Um, and I think that's so important when you go through this stretch. And I think it's important too, that players are experienced things, maybe not go their way a little bit this season when things were felt like they were always working out. Like, Hey, and we'll talk about this a little later. Yeah. We not to lift the curtain too much. But we talked about some topics we might, cover we might've had some pre-show prep, maybe a little bit. Um, like Jesus Sanchez robbing a grand slam at the wall in Seattle in May. Yeah. Uh, like you kind of overlook those little things in Colorado, Jorge Soler, it's a, a go ahead home run going off the center field's glove and over the mm-hmm. fence. Like those were the breaks they were getting in the first half, yep. which is great. I think you create your own luck in baseball. Um, but I think having this sort of, uh, I don't want to say rough patch, but this sort of adversity they're facing yeah. might be good for them. Mm-hmm. And no. look, if it's, if it's not good for them this year, it's good for them moving forward because there's still a ton of young guys on this team that are going to be part of the core of this roster the next few years that's one of the things that's the most exciting parts about this team is for the first time in a long time like even in 2020 where there was that little stretch of hey this is technically a playoff team in the 60 game season there were so many pieces there where you're like well where are you going to be in a year or two where this group you know a whole bunch of this core should and will be back next season and and that's really exciting so you know, we, we've we've highlighted the fact that the Marlins have struggled here, but we've also said this has been a fun season. And so, as you sort of uh, intimated was was coming your way, uh, I want to rip off Levitard Show and take a top five here from you, Josh Appel, of the top five. And this is how I'm going to describe it. We can maybe come up with a different description if we need it, but let's see if this is all-encompassing. Top five Marlins things that have made you silently nod your head in satisfaction this season. So basically anything that's that sort of made you smile, uh, anything that, that's made you happy about this season. It could be an individual game, an individual at bat, a performance, a something going on in the stadium, a win streak, a, an individual player. It could be anything that you want, but something that just sort of made you go, all right. All right, so number five, I'm going to start. Actually, let me go with an honorable mention because it was okay. too recent to be in, in the top five, I think. So first OLI, um, we at the last homestand as a production group, we found two uh, attendees of the baseball game not paying attention at all, sitting by themselves in the club level upper deck, and we found, we kept the camera there. And they were spending the majority oh, of their saw, time. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Marlins put this video out, yes. taking pictures of themselves over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, basically, influencers in the wild. 
Uh-huh. So every every inning break when we would go to fan shots, we would throw them up there and we would put a little lower third, something different every time. And it kept, we did, must have done this three or four times it's up amazing. until after the seventh inning stretch. We do the whole song or whatever, and we put them on camera again, and they finally notice, and the entire stadium erupted. It was must have gone crazy. I hadn't it was, I hadn't had a chance to hear about this yet. It was phenomenal, and one of my favorite moments uh, from the production side this year. That's uh, really just good. tremendous stuff by our entire crew. Um, it really, really was. It was a fun night. So that's that's, that's an OLI. All right. De- debut of the rooster races the the other OLI. Huge. now we can go yeah huge again tonight Big uh, now right. we can go to uh number five uh number five is the moment that we talked about earlier um jesus sanchez robbing the the grand slam in uh seattle to hang on to the i think that was that wasn't to go ahead that was to tie the game right i think it would have been a game tying grand slam yeah regardless humongous play in a game in may that they needed to have uh that's number five uh, number four, I'm going to go to the way back. Sandy Alcantara in like one of the opening series against the Twins threw a complete game shutout, yep. one nothing. That took less than two hours. It was an hour. Yep. And it was an hour minutes. fifty-seven. Yep, I yeah. was there. It was one of the most unbelievable experiences. Uh, watching one of these games and realizing, oh, this is this is what one nothing baseball can be now. Yeah. This is what it can be. It was such an incredible day. <laughs> number three, S- sticking with that series. Number three. Uh, Pablo Lopez, our very good friend, um, was back in town for the first time, pitched against us in that series. Yep. But on the day that he wasn't pitching, I walked up to him to, to say hello because we had a, an inside joke in the seventh inning stretch going back to last year. Uh-huh. And he was super friendly with everybody on our staff. Um, so I walk up to him, and this was uh, might have been the day after he pitched. And I think he pitched into the seventh inning that day. And I asked him, I go, did you hear it? He goes, yeah, I was on the mound and I was in my head thinking, how long is it going to hold the stretch in seventh inning stretch? So that's number three. A really cool ball. That's with great. Pablo, that's awesome. Uh, who's a, tr- a tremendous guy. And I'm, the best guy it's incredible. I'm inc- it's incredible to see the season he's having. Definitely deserving of that extension mm-hmm. that he got uh, with the Twins. Couldn't be happier for him. And I look forward to the next time we uh, we cross paths. Um, n- number two, uh, the, the 9-8 Phillies uh, extra inning game. So there's that one. Oh, I'm I'm leaving out another great moment that I'm going to have to throw it? out of the yeah yeah, the, yeah. the let's go back to the OLI. Yeah. This is also very recent. Uh, you and I were ha- you were filming your little social media preview during uh-huh. batting practice last homestand. Uh-huh. Jesus Sanchez uh, taking BP and he hits a liner that screams off of the L screen that the pitcher yep. throws in front of, and it ricocheted directly to where I was standing in the dugout. I heard the the sound of the impact on the L screen. And I look up because it's happened to me before where like, you just gotta <laughs> have you, you gotta have your head on a swivel. Well, where I'm doing the opposite, by the way, where I'm not Correct. looking at all and this ball goes right by me. Josh is not that far away. And I stick my hand up in one of the most, uh, amazing feats of athleticism. If you can consider it that, uh, of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've had plenty of bad mm-hmm. ones. I have scars on my hand to prove it. Um, Caught the baseball, one hand, on a fly. I was so proud of myself, and my hand didn't hurt. So that's OLI uh, and number three. And listen, if you if you, if you you know me and you follow me on social media and you listen to Hawk and Crowder, uh, you'll know. This isn't the first time I've yep. come toe-to-toe with a flying object at a sporting event. I was hit in the neck with a puck at a Panthers <laughs> game. Uh, not this past season, but the previous season. The night the Panthers came back against the Capitals yep. uh, from down 4-1. 
That night, I got hit in the neck with a puck like three minutes into the game. So it like I look, it, it's a perfect, <laughs> it's a perfect um, way to prove that it's a redemption story. Is what it is, right? It's right. a redemption you, story. This something happens. Arc. You learn from it. You get better, and you make the play the next time. And that's what happened. You learn from your mistakes, and I'm glad we were able to include it in this list. And now your number one uh, thing that's made you nod silently in approval of the Marlins this season. I mean, is this not? the obvious one it's the comeback against the Yankees I mean that was an amazing day for so many different reasons I love that's it's it was just with with Berger getting the the base hit to tie it Bell being a part of it I'm pretty sure Jorge Lopez uh got the win in that game you had all the trade acquisitions contribute to a win there and the comeback and it's the Yankees that was one of the most amazing uh it was one of the most amazing games I've ever seen the Marlins play Watching the Luisa Rice triple. Yeah, it was perfect. It was such a perfect game in the way that it all sort of broke down for each and every individual player to step up in the spot where they did after the trade acquisitions with the crowd being what it was that weekend. It was it was really such a, a a special game and a special moment. And I'm glad that you have it up there. And you know, in mentioning Luis Arias, he gets to be the the overarching answer in this one because what would the season be without uh, Luis Arias' offense? All right, I'm going to real quick, we're going to... Oh, wait, Josh wait, I have one there. more. I, I, I thought of one more OLI that I need to include. Uh, Kyle Seeloff is in his first season yes, as the Marlins play, play announcer on the radio, and all the GoPro content that Marlins Radio, Steven Strom, and Kyle Seeloff have put out this year inject it all into my vein it's so that's good. another uh, oli that's yeah. great i'm glad you have it in there it's so good kyle's killing it and uh yeah they've done an awesome job packaging all that stuff it's really fun it's fun like to live through those moments again so it's been great yeah um and if you know kyle it's just a great well that's why yeah that, that's yeah. the extra treat is getting to see kyle that excited and sometimes sounding that excited while his arms are still just <laughs> that's what he's excited it's, it's amazing it's amazing uh all right let's move over to football real quick before we wrap this up i want to talk dolphins before i get some sort of rapid fire stuff from you um to me you know the afc is as crowded as as ever um but i also feel like this year's dolphins team could be poised for like the most success as any in our entire lifetimes. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but like what success has there really been in our, in our lifetimes? Uh, I want to know what, what you believe are realistic expectations for this team and how you expect the dolphins to evolve from year one to year two under Mike McDaniel. I think that game operation, this is a weird place to start, but that's the last thing you said, Mike McDaniel and the most improvement. I think the game operation of getting plays in on time and not taking dumb delay of game penalties yeah. that eventually hurt them in the, in the playoffs last year, I think that'll get cleaned up quite a bit this season. Um, I think Tua, despite what the narrative has been this week, that was pushed back on heavily by Tua himself. I think Tua physically is built up to be in a good spot this year to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, like this team can make a run on the play. Like, they're as good as anybody in the league. Like yep. Top to bottom, their roster is as talented on paper as it's been in my entire 29-year life. Yep. Like, there have, there have been some talented teams here and there, but this one specifically, with who they have at coach, who they have at the skill positions, who they have at quarterback, and what we've seen that what he can do when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Then you add Vic Fangio to this defense that has really good pass rushers, when healthy, has a really good secondary. To me, I, I think they're the best team of the AFC East. 
I think yeah. they've leapfrogged Buffalo in that sense. I don't think they're like leaps and bounds better than Buffalo, but I think the gap is closed enough to the point where I think the Dolphins have actually leapfrogged them a little bit. The Jets are obviously going to be a good team this year, but I need to see that happen before I can say, yeah, that's the team to beat in the AFC. I need to see what that looks like first on the field over the course of the first handful of weeks of the season before I crown the New York Jets. Just yep. It's the Jets. Yep. And I know that I'm I'm a I'm I call the NFL on Sports USA. I should have better analysis than that. But like nope. I, and I don't mean that as a slight. It's just I need to see it before no. I can say it. I, in the same way that before this season, all of us who went it's the Mets said it's the Mets and then the Mets Mets, the Jets can Jets. And I, I just use that what sound they do. if you want to. But the, if the Mets can Mets, the Jets can Jets. And that's that's how yeah. it works. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, it was actually uh, – here's the look at me, Louie. was talking with Dominique Foxworth last week. and mm. uh, But he agreed that the Dolphins, in his mind, are – this was pre-Jalen Ramsey injury. But he believed that they're the best team in the AFC East. He believes they'll win the division. Um, the Jalen Ramsey – Jalen Ramsey injury obviously is is a big deal and will affect this team certainly for the first half of the year. But once that secondary is healthy and available, you're right. I mean, there's no reason to think that this team can't be incredibly successful. I know I'm I'm super excited to watch Dolphins football, and I was last year going in a way that I hadn't been in a long time, just simply because of Mike McDaniel and the acquisition of Tyree Kill. But seeing what it how it actually played out, like I can't wait for year two. I, I think another difference you'll see on this offense as great as they were passing the ball last year i think that they were they didn't run the ball enough last year when they mm-hmm. were very good at it and i think if you can kind of follow the tracks of what they wanted in the offseason they were kind of in on every single running back they drafted one they were allegedly in on jonathan taylor they were in on dalvin cook like they're in on apparently they called the raiders about josh, josh jacobs. jacobs yep They've been in on everybody. I think there's going to be a real emphasis from Mike McDaniel to run the ball quite a bit more than we saw last year. And I think that'll benefit when maybe the the pass game isn't working out too much. Run game will kind of alleviate some of that pressure and maybe open things back up again uh, for them later. But I think Mike McDaniel's incredibly smart. He's the best. Um, players love playing for that guy. And uh, I, I, man, like if it's not now for the Dolphins – what what when else right i mean I, it's really unbelievable and to think that you know I, i'm thinking about it and i'm i'm thinking of mike mcdaniel and now i'm thinking of of skip schumacher and i'm looking around south mm. florida and i'm like man what an unbelievable group of coaches at the helm at the moment in a way that we have not been used to in this market in, in this sort of way where basically every single professional franchise has an incredible coach at the helm. Um, it, it's a good time to be in South Florida. Uh, I want to do just some quick rapid fire. You know, you're, you're the NFL guy. Let's move around the league. Um, I'm going to give you some questions and you're going to give me a, an answer off the top of your head. I've not prepped you with these questions um, no. as much prep as we did before. I only told you that this was going to happen. I didn't tell you what the questions were going to be. So first question, I'm nervous, a new face in a new place that you're most excited to watch. New face in a new place that I'm excited to watch. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers looks like with the Jets. Yeah. I mean, I, I am. I, I'm just so interested in what that's going to look like. 
because he does the thing where he brings his friends there, but you still got Garrett Wilson. You got Brees Hall coming back. A lot of questions on that offensive line with a really good defense. Mm-hmm. But despite all of it, they had the same issues last year, and they were a game out of the playoffs. And and not with so I, I, I just <laughs> right. So I just wonder. I want. I, I just that's one of the most intriguing things to me is what is that going to look like this year? So. Um, not like excited, like, oh my God, I'm going to be so happy. No, if it no, works out. But like, that's exciting. I'm just excited to see how it'll look. Yeah, it's one of the coolest storylines in the league is the reason they were uh, hard knocks this year. Uh, a rookie who you believe will have the greatest impact. I love Bijan Robinson. I know he's a running back, and I know there's less emphasis so, on running backs, but I love Bijan Robinson, and I'm excited to see him uh, in Atlanta. I think they're going to give him the ball a lot. Arthur Smith. Derrick Henry in Tennessee, Arthur Smith, Dejon Robinson in Atlanta. I'm pumped to see that. Yeah, especially because he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield too. So he's going to be out there and utilized quite a bit. Uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback, who you and I both watched a lot at Cincinnati and give the ball to the running back. A player who you think will (laughs) burst onto the scene. A player who you think will burst onto the scene who maybe – had a good year last year, but you're thinking is going to maybe make a household name for himself during this NFL season. Can I say Jalen Phillips? Is yeah. He, yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think I, he's pushed he onto the national scene. Last year was like, all right, there's something here, right? And I think this year he cements himself as one of the top five, six pass rushers in the game. I love that. I think that's a great pick. Um, who is a surprise? team of the season who's a team that you think is is being slept on a little bit that might have a better year (laughs) you know it's hard to say this team because we're so accustomed to them being good but they play in such a shaky division and i think that they were inconsistent quarterback play away from being a playoff team last year i think the saints with Derek carr yeah can be pretty good this year I think that's a really really cool pick. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see what that is going to look like in New Orleans because he's you've got no more Brady there, right? And he's such a good quarterback. Yep, you got no more Brady in the NFC South. You've got Carolina, who just drafted a quarterback, uh, Bryce Young, early. You never know how that's going to go. Atlanta, we just talked about question marks at quarterback, and then you have the Saints, and the Saints have an experienced quarterback in Derek Carr. They've got a, a number one receiver in Chris Olave. Michael Thomas should be back. Um, Alvin Kamara is not even going to be with them for the first handful right. of weeks of the season. Um, they always have a good defense. I think New Orleans is going to win that division. I think that I think that's a fun pick. I like that. That's a fun surprise team this season. Uh, I want now. Now we got the big two questions. So first, a prediction for the NFL MVP this season. Feels like Joe Burrow's time, man. Oh, I Feels like it. Joe Burrow's time. I hope so. It really does. I hope I, so. I, I, like I can see, uh, I can see Jalen Hurts again being in that conversation because um, I only think that he'll get better. The, the leap that he made from uh, twenty-one to twenty-two, completely different player in the best mm-hmm. ways. Uh, but but I think it's I think it's Joe Burrow's time. I think Joe Burrow's getting the MVP this year. And so that being said, what is your Super Bowl prediction for this season? Josh Appel sitting here on August 25th, far too early to be making a Super Bowl prediction. Unbiased. All right. I'm going to go Dolphins over. Unbiased. Um, this is, again, I, I totally cannot unbiased. stress enough. Objective can, journalist. Cannot stress enough how unbiased uh, this take is. I'm going to go. Dolphins over 
I think the Eagles get back there. The Dolphins wow. beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Dolphins, Eagles, and Mike McDaniel. Jalen versus Tua. Alabama versus Alabama. That the guy would be who replaced amazing. him. In the uh, championship game to his freshman year, yep. to, against and threw it to the guy that he would be going up against, and the guy. Uh, the storylines they write themselves. Dolphins over Eagles in the Super Bowl. Unbiased. I like that. What happened there was once you realized it could be the Eagles, you went, "Wait a second! Look at all these storylines." <laughs> you could see the, the <laughs> light bulb. Oh my god, the light bulb's <laughs> gone off. What a what a what a great script for the NFL. All right, well, Josh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time today to join me. Uh, before I let you go, uh, where can people check you out? What do you want to plug for anybody to? go download or subscribe or follow or anything i don't really have anything uh specific to promote but uh, you can follow me on twitter at josh appel j-o-s-h-a-p-p-e-l uh that's the same thing on instagram except there's an underscore it's josh underscore appel um follow along on there i post a lot of stadium pictures on my instagram once the nfl season gets going um i tweet a lot of gifts i tweet a lot about the panthers and everything all that the anything on twitter um, and then, of course, uh, my first NFL game this year, I say, of course, like anybody listening to this would already know. Of course, my first NFL game this year, uh, week three, Bears Chiefs in Kansas City. And then I'll have more uh, down the line after that. So look for your local affiliates for Sports USA. I think we have a couple in South Florida. Um, and tune in. That'll be great. Definitely follow Josh on all mentioned social media websites and, you know, give him, give him a follow. He's got good, con- good content. Uh, go you know, ahead. So, sometimes, sometimes I go on uh, WQAM with Hawk and Crowder. Sometimes I fill in for them. Listen to uh, that. I'll, us- I'll usually post when I go on there and also follow Sports USA Live on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Do all Sorry. of it. Listen to everything Josh says. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of Miami Mike Up. Thank you. Appreciate it.